Welcome back to the Wiki Wacky Radio Show. I'm your host, Frank. And I'm Reed. I'd like to remind you guys to please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you can also find us on YouTube. And today, we're going to have a little discussion here about R.L. Stein, the guy who wrote the Goosebumps books. You know, and they were also turned into a TV show you might have seen. I've definitely heard of it, uh, both the TV show and the books, but I've not read or seen the franchise. Well, I found them, just like he's going to talk about in this, and that's one of the things that I thought was cool. There's a couple of things that I think are cool. First of all, it turns out he's local. I found him in a local free magazine. That's how I even found this whole interview. And it turns out that he grew up just nearby here in a town called Bexley. And that's oh, how yeah. he Yeah, that's how he got his start. And like at first, like I learned a lot of cool stuff from this. And I thought it was cool cuz it was a free publication. I just picked it up like in the mall. I'm uh-huh. pretty sure it was. And um I learned some things. Oh, I remember what I was saying. Here's the part I missed. Just like he's going to talk about in the article, I found these books in the library when I was in middle school and they were just easy to check out and I could read a bunch of them at a time. They were just easy reads. I could read them cover to cover and a couple in like a day, basically. They were easy to read. Um, And it's kind of interesting now, these years later, to find out that he lives or lived, excuse me, um, but still visits, just nearby here. Um, so anyway, I just want to talk about him. <clears throat> Are you well, familiar with his works at all? Um, I mean, like I said, I've only heard of the Goosebumps series, but no, I've never seen uh, the show or any of the books. And in fact, I thought his name was pronounced Rolstein. Rural? Yeah, R-L. That's how you pronounce it, right? Earl. <laughs> Earl nah, Stein. Just, yeah, Earl Stein. Nah, I'm just making a joke about his name. <laughs> um, but I'm in, I am interested to, to hear about him. That's, well, that's uh, interesting because he actually got his start in jokes and comedy. Oh, okay. He didn't just start with horror. Well. Yeah, he it, he's all about jokes. Cool. Comedy. Well, good. I'm glad I'm I'm around for that part. Of That's it. right. And he talks about in this article about how you know jokes and horror actually go hand in hand because like mm-hmm. he says you watch somebody on like a roller coaster and one minute they feel like they're gonna die and the next minute they're laughing about it you know <laughs> because right? they didn't and they're just having fun but right? yeah. in that moment where you're going down you're scared you're, ah right then, yeah. And then the next minute, you're all giggly, happy, you know, and they just go hand in hand. And he says that, um, you know, doing a a horror, like, right when it should hit Uh is just like doing a punchline for a joke. Right. You know? So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And um, he also, you know, not only did he get his start here in Jokes and Comedy, but he went to OSU. Okay. And he wrote for uh, a newspaper there called the Sundial Humor. 
Hmm. And this would have been in like the 1960s. Okay. Um, but you know, maybe you have another joke here too, because then we're just going to get into <laughs> his family history. I'm just going by the, the, you know, they like set it up how he's local. Cause right. this is a local thing. And, um, uh, they're going to talk about his family next. Right. Well, I'm definitely, I mean, like I haven't heard too much about him and it is surprising me that he's from nearby here and Bexley, Ohio. So like 15 minute drive or something. Yeah. Is it South? Uh, yeah, like southeast of where we are. I feel like it said that it was south, but I don't know. Or uh, it could be more south. I might be thinking of Reynoldsburg, which is like right out to the east of Columbus. Uh, but it's in that area, sort of, I think, that direction. Hmm. Um, but that's cool. What was his first book? Do you know? Uh, it does say it in here somewhere. I think it's on the next page, though. and I don't want to turn the page. But I think it's something like the house, something about the house, the haunted house, or I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, house, uh, I don't know. Oh, welcome to Dead House. Yeah, welcome to Dead House. Yeah, because I got a list of them here to at least hopefully be able to follow along somewhat of his Goosebumps books. Well, yeah, um, welcome to Dead House was his first one, and he they do talk about that in the article. He says that um, it was too scary for his audience. Really? Yeah, and he had to like figure out how to strike a balance, huh. basically. That's interesting. And that he goes back again to talk about the comedy and how right. he, you know he just uh, had to figure out how to break up, basically break up the punchline. Hmm. What well, that, that kind of makes me want to read it like if he himself says it was too scary for his audience i kind of wonder how scary it was but i mean i guess i mean they're made for kids i mean (laughs) certainly might not be some of them are spooky there's one about a a marionette puppet or whatever that's creepy or some kind of doll that Uh like comes to life and that one spooked me it was weird because it was like the doll talked all by itself Mm. and so it kind of reminded me You'll see this. Oh, it's so funny that you should lead me right into it. But it reads just like a Ray Bradbury story. Right. It, well, there's a literal Ray Bradbury story just like that, except it's a computer. Uh-huh. When you're talking about the, the doll, makes me think of when I was a kid, uh, my Papa Jack, my mom's dad, uh, in his house upstairs on the second floor, um, there's a, like a big shelf. He had all all kinds of toys upstairs. Uh huh. And on one of the shelves in like the hallway at the top of the stairs was this creepy looking doll, in my opinion, that I hated seeing every time I had to walk by it to go to the bathroom upstairs. Yeah. And it weirded me out. When I just remembered while you were talking, I mean, dolls are creepy, you know? Yeah. But it's actually, it was one of those puppets where you. Put your hand up inside of it and talk with it. What uh-huh. kind of puppet is that? Like a ventriloquism puppet? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, okay. That's what it was. And it was creepy, man. Mm. It was creepy. But um, anyway, it get, the next, the article gets into his um, family history. Mm-hmm. And it says he was a family of five. And he right away... You know, I'm just suspicious of people, okay? Uh Even though I like him and I like this article and whatever. But he right away tries to make out like he was poor. 
He mm. basically says that right away. Uh-huh. But then he says that they they lived like right near the governor's mansion and that they used to trick or treat there. Mm. Um so I don't know. I mean I I'm not saying that's not true, but I don't know. Anyway, right. Then he talks about like sort of like his character and what kind of child he was. And he says he was shy and that he basically just like read comic books. Uh-huh. They sort of influenced him. Right. And he wrote things and wrote jokes. He was really into jokes and watched movies. Right. And he was inspired by some of the movies at the time, the horror movies in particular, like Creatures from the Black Lagoon uh-huh. and some movie called like um the brain that wouldn't die (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like an interesting one i know i almost like want to track it down and watch it sounds like an old horror movie movie. yeah that sounds interesting the brain that wouldn't die is it the brain do they just keep sticking it in different people or what that's curious i don't know but he said that he just loved blood and guts and stuff like that and the movies that showed that and the comic books that showed that well that makes sense because one of his books is titled monster blood (laughs) monster blood i've had some monster blood before is that like a new energy drink yeah it's the newest version of tiger blood (laughs) tiger blood you remember that of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's out of a new one. Winning. <laughs> oh, what a time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, But he said that he used to try to bring that stuff into his house, those kind of comic books and those uh, maybe films or whatever. I'm not sure. But he said that his mother just wouldn't allow it. And mm. she'd stop him at the door and basically like frisk him. And tell him that he had to throw that stuff out because it was trash. Hmm. And he says in this article that that's when he learned. Let me find the exact quote. He learned that that's when I began to realize how good trash can be. (laughs) All right. And I like that quote because if you've ever studied any kind of art, that's Dadaism is trash art you know realizing that trash is art trash can be art any basically that anything can be art it's thinking that way Mm -hmm. you know because like the most quintessential example i don't know if you know this quick art class but this guy took a urinal and turned it upside down and wrote graffiti on it Mm. and that he called it the fountain Right. And it's one of the most classic examples of Dadaism. And that's its whole kind of art. Right. Huh. It, today, you might downplay it and call it like recycling art. I just saw this thing about this girl who took all these pill bottles. She had them like donated to her. She had them whatever. And she cut them, you know, like very precisely. Mm-hmm. She cut them all into these rings. And then she zip-tied them all together and made, like, these art exhibits out of these little pill bottle slices. I've seen stuff like that, Um, uh, like maybe pop cans or uh, bottle caps. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just a form of Dadaism. It's like recycling or thinking of trash as art. They, right. you know, you just take things that you might find in the dump, right, and give them a second life or whatever. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> it's just interesting, you know. And it's I see that here in what he quotes, what he's quoted as yeah. saying. You know, I, I think <clears throat> it makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I really enjoyed like. You know, I'm a writer type, and I really enjoyed reading about this. And like I said before, he's quoted in here as going into the library. One day he comes in. Let me find the passage. Sure. Here's a pretty funny title of his. Say cheese and die. Oh, yeah, that's a good one about it, like <laughs> a haunted camera or something like that. Uh, Sounds like it would be based on the title. I can, I'm pretty sure I've read that one, but I don't exactly remember. I mean, I mean, if I had to only guess what it could be about based on the title, because like I mentioned, I've not read any of his books. It would be what you said, or like some kind of murderer who comes around and with a camera takes your picture as a distraction. You know, while he's taking your picture, he stabs you in the neck. One day, visiting the Bexley Public Library, he found the librarian waiting for him. Bobby, I know you like comic books, she said. I have something else I think you'll like. And she led him to a shelf of books by Ray Bradbury. Mm. So see, I had said that before about how I had even almost seen a link between Ray Bradbury, whom I've always loved, and what he's writing. You know, the thing about the dummy? Right. Well, Ray Bradbury was a science sci-fi guy. Right. And he wrote one about a computer that talked for itself. Hmm. And it's almost like R.L. Stein just animated a doll instead right. of a computer, you know? But it's along the same kind of trippy lines of, like, sentience and, you know, that line between sentience and possession. Yeah, the night of the living dummy. Yeah, that's probably uh-huh. it. Yeah, I'm, I what, was right what number is list. that? Uh, uh, <laughs> number seven. Nice. <clears throat> At least the way this list is ordered, I I couldn't tell you if that's like the seventh book that came out or or what. I think it is. Uh, I didn't check how it was ordered. Well, can I tell you? Sure. You know, I'm kind of. I can be cynical sometimes. And I don't know if I am or not, but he's also talking about... Remember how I said he wrote for the Sundial, the um, Sundial Humor for OSU? Mm -hmm. Well, he says here that in those days, the editor of the Sundial received 23% of its profits. He turned it into a profitable magazine by his own account, and it paid his way to New York after graduation. Mm, But then... He says a little bit later. So think about that. What did I just say? He made enough to get his way through school because that's all he did. Uh-huh. He said he admits that he probably actually majored in beer and pizza. Instead of going to class, he poured all of his energy into the magazine, which was staffed by OSU students and spent three years as its editors, hmm. as it as its editor. 
Okay. So that means that for three years, he was making almost 25% of the magazine's profits. That's probably a pretty good income for a college student. And he says he basically didn't even go to his classes. He just ran the magazine. Right. Hmm. But then, so he made okay. He made uh-huh. enough to move himself to New York and all this. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but then he's quoted basically in the next paragraph as saying, I was 49 when we started Goosebumps, he recalled. I had been writing for 20 years and nobody had noticed. That's the truth. And I think to have that kind of success, that kind of amazing sales suddenly, where a book just takes off all over the world, I think that was so exhilarating that it kept me going. For a few years, Stein was turning out one Goosebumps book and one Fear Street young adult horror book every month. So it's almost like he's trying to spin in the whole beginning all the way so far this like rags to riches story. And I don't think it reads that way if you actually read it. Right. I don't understand. I mean, am I just being a jerk? But... Uh. I wouldn't say so. I mean, uh, I don't know where... He has found what I would call commercial success. Right. But it seems like he's always had a steady thing the whole time anyway. I mean, he's he's been a professional writer his whole career. That's amazing. Yeah, he... I mean, based on his... Time at OSU, it sounds like he was making money off of his writing. Yeah, like instead of going to class. Right. He was basically just running their newspaper instead of uh-huh. learning anything. Right. I mean, you know, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. Okay. That I'm not trying to knock. Sure, it. of course. I'm just saying that's not what the academy's for. That's not why you would go to university. Right. Is to run a newspaper. I mean, it's interesting. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there is a bit of an interesting story about him. Well, it is, and there's more to it, but sure. that's basically it, though. He goes on to say some odd things. He seems like a sort of odd character, you know, a little bit. Right. But he says basically, you know, like I was saying earlier about how he feels that connection between laughing and scared being scared yeah, uh-huh. laughing and screaming right well he says that i'm i never get scared of things hmm. there's something missing in me i always thought horror was funny when you go to a horror film and something awful is happening i'm the one laughing people come to me they say i had to leave all the lights on i had to lock my doors after i read your book i've never had that feeling I don't know what that is. That's interesting. It is interesting, don't you think? Yeah. For somebody who writes all this stuff that... that I mean, he seems to get the analogy. Right. In other people, it gives you that lurch. Right. Like you're on the roller because like you're dropping. Like you might, you know, right. uh-huh. takes the air out of you. But in the next second, you're back, oh, you're back up and you feel good and <laughs> you can right. just laugh it off. Right. I mean, that's kind of similar to how, like, uh, you know, some people fall down when their butt's really good. 
at first everybody's oh my gosh what's happening yeah and the next thing you know the person that fell is laughing their butts off yeah because they just fell because it was more funny than painful yeah other people are just like scared for them right and maybe at first while you're falling it seemed really scary but you know you're fine yeah <laughs> and it's funny yeah i, I kind of get stuff like that and you know some people enjoy scaring other people i certainly do yeah boom <laughs> like that <laughs> and it's funny so yeah I, I get that where he's coming from with the comedy and the horror well I just still I don't know what's wrong with me but I feel like what permeates this whole thing is like his he he puts some kind of class thing mm. in here that I don't appreciate because even the way they sum up the article is how he lives in New York full time mm-hmm. because that's where he got established. He's big. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's but the he's, ghost next door now, uh-huh. but he still comes home and he still is like obsessed with some kind of local pizza. Mm. And he, let me find this part. While the beloved author has made New York his permanent home, he does come back to Columbus quite a bit. Even having frozen Rubino's pepperoni pizza overnighted to his home in New York. He always has a stock of them in his freezer, he said. But it doesn't replace the real thing. <laughs> Besides, he has ties here. He funds an annual scholarship. Now, this is good. This, you know, I shouldn't sure. be so snarky about that part. That part's good. He funds a scholarship here and stuff. He does have ties. Okay. Right. Okay. But I think the whole part about New York as your permanent home, and he has these pizzas overnighted, and he has a whole freezer full of them and whatever, it just doesn't seem genuine and right. doesn't. it doesn't connect with me, you know? Right. The yeah. whole thing on that part, the money, he seems to be obsessed with the money and talking about the money and stuff. I don't like that. Right. Well, he's got a book called The Haunted Mask. You know what that makes me think of? I think he talked about that one in the article. Oh, did It he? makes me think of that movie by Jim Carrey. Oh, uh, The Mask? Mask? I yeah. think it's just called Mask. Oh. Uh, no, it just makes me think of COVID. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the haunted mask. Except they weren't haunted. It was just the mask part, really, and the negativity of haunted and the negativity of having to wear those stupid masks. Amen, brother. And if you like political content like that, you should check out conservative conversations. Yeah, and you be careful what you wish for, though. That's another one. It is another one. I got a good list of Is it a books. haunted eight ball? Is it a haunted eight ball? Uh, no, but piano <laughs> lessons could be murder. Oh, piano string. They're always using piano wire. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, it's the werewolf of fever swamp you got to worry about, really, not the piano murders. Hey, did I tell you and did I tell the listeners about how the picture of him? Is- uh, the picture of him? Yeah. Uh, what about it? The one that came with the article, it looks like him as, like, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah. It looks really cool, and it says, it came from Bexley. (laughs) He came from Bexley. 
it came from. He's Rexon. the creature. He's the creature. Yeah, but it's a creature. But I, yeah, I guess it because we don't know what it is. It's just a shadow. It's a creature. Yeah. Is he a creature? It, it, probably. He has no feelings or whatever <laughs> he said. <laughs> he's he's soulless. He just cares about money. I mean, that's all the he says. He just cares about money. That's all he talks about. And he he's not a good scared. Loves to scare people, and he has no feelings. Feelings. <laughs> <laughs> is he a ginger? No. Oh. Well, that doesn't explain it then. Cause you can't scare me. I think I already did scare you. Oh. Well, you know, one day at Horrorland, I rode all the rides. None of them scared me. They probably would have if you saw somebody get decapitated. <gasps> probably. I'm not afraid of bees. Me either. Why? I, why? Why I'm afraid of bees? I don't know, but I'm not. Well, it's probably a good thing because they like smell the fear. They're like dogs. And you know, Monster Blood was so good that they stopped producing it. No. What's his face is making Monster Blood the second? Oh, he made two of them. Yup. Well, Charlie Sheen. I, I don't know why I forgot his name. Tiger Blood. Yeah. It's like winning. Yeah, Monster Blood Two is like Tiger Blood Third Gen. And you're in deep trouble. Oh, like urine? I hope not. Isn't that what you said? Urine. You, you're in deep trouble. You should enunciate better. I can't help it. It's where I'm from. <laughs> it makes me talk that non -enunciation way. Non-enunciationville? <laughs> Non-enunciationville? We don't do nothing that up there. Or not. <laughs> we don't do nothing that enunciating. Say what? So we don't do nothing that enunciating? Who's that? I don't know. I've never met Nunciant before either. <laughs> but I have met the scarecrow that walks at midnight. Oh, does he murder? Well, based, murder and rape and kill. Based on the other bodies of work here, he might. I mean, he's probably the guy. You know, doing he wrote the murderous like, piano lessons. He wrote like 60 of these. You know that? Oh, yeah. That's why this list told me there's like 60 something rows. You want to know what number I'm on? Probably not even 20. 21. Go eat worms. Uh, all right. Pretty close. <laughs> uh, um. Did you say he gets just pepperoni pizza? It says... Yeah. Just pepperoni? Rubino's pepperoni pizza. How boring. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I, if I had to pick, if no toppings... I mean, if I can't pick any extra toppings, I'd definitely go with pepperoni. Who doesn't like pepperoni pizza? But at least get something else on it if you're having the pep the pizza shipped to you overnight from the one place you like. Well, I think it's an opinionated 
statement because my favorite pizza is double pep, double cheese. So I kind of get where he's coming from, except mine is a double-double. That's my favorite pizza. Well, I mean, at least you're double-doubling. This guy's so much just... Oh, I will say, he, at least he's not just getting cheese. Or... Amen. The other controversial kind. Cheese pizza is like... <sighs> I will eat it if it's the last pizza and everybody's eating all the pepperoni. I'll eat the cheese. But I will never get the cheese. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Right. Well, have you ever spent a night in Terror Tower? This is Night at the Museum. What? It's the same plot. Oh, as the movie? Yeah. Oh. Except scary? Yep. Oh, okay. That's well, that one's supposed to be kind of scary, too, even though it's a comedy. See? It's like what he's talking about, the scary comedy thing. Right. I get that, yeah. I suppose for the people at the museum, it was scary. Well, because the stuff's coming to life. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, what are we doing? Yeah, and they're the guards, and they got to put the stuff back where it belongs. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh-oh. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. The haunted cuckoo clock. These almost read as like Nancy Drews or like this is so like stereotypical. It's, it's almost like who was it that did the alphabet murders? Like A is for Oh, that was Agatha Axe. Christie. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I know M that is for one. murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What whatever the, whatever. What do you mean? I gave you the answer. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is too serial, and I don't like serial fiction, oh, and I don't gotcha. like serial plots. This is too almost alphabetical and sort of silly. Right. Well, that one was the cuckoo clock of doom. You know, I stopped reading these books for that reason. I didn't read all 60 of these or whatever they are. Do you remember the last and one what you kind read? Of person? What kind of person who just wants to talk about money how do you write 60 of these? Money. Uh-huh. You stated themselves in the thing you write, one per month. Oh, yeah. Money. He was just printing money. Well, you'll never believe this. Charlie Sheen's back at it again. Oh, Tiger Blood 4. Yeah, no, Monster Blood 3. Well, I guess it would be Tiger Blood 4. Rebranded as Monster Blood 3. The double sequel. <laughs> the, the sequel nobody wanted. Skip three, went straight to four, because that's cool. Oh, see, yeah, he's, 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 we got the Night of the Living Dummy 2, which I oh, didn't, I on, didn't read the Night break. of the Living Dummy, the first one, I skipped over that, but. This is just where I get so cynical. Right. See, I wasn't cynical reading the article because I can try to appreciate people. But then you want to read me all 60 of these titles. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous. A computer could print these things. Can it bark like a ghost? All right. We, we're going to have to Oh, that's the bark the barking ghost. That's horrible. I don't think the people should even have to hear that. That's horrible. Right. Uh, RL Earl Stein <laughs> is not 
a gr- he doesn't have a PhD in literature, you guys. He's not. He's not. But he's cool. Does he does seem sense? cool. He's Although, not, but he's cool. Right. He's yeah. not, but he kind of is. <laughs> he, but he's not. But he's not. Right. He's not, though. <laughs> you can't say he kind of is. I don't like that. He's not cool. No, it's not about the cool. Oh, he's They're not cool, different. but They're, he is. The pause matters. So what's he's the difference? He's not like the end-all, be-all. He's not the bee's knees. He's oh, not. He's not. It. He's not it. Well, that's not what the But he's says. cool. No, it is. <laughs> he's not. There's, there's a hard period. He's not. But he's cool. <laughs> oh my gosh, this one sounds cool. The Revenge of the Lion Gnomes. No, it doesn't sound cool. What? I'm telling you what, man. We have to wrap this up. This is horrible. <laughs> I stopped reading these for a reason. Way back in middle school. The cool thing is that he's local. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not. But he's not. Because he's he in was, New York. He used to be local. Before he started running a newspaper out of the gate. Probably because his, his dad's related to Bill Gates or something. He's some from Bexley. Grew up near the governor's mansion and went to OSU. Making 23% of the Sundial whatever newspaper You took profits. pretty good notes. And he's poor somehow. Oh, he's poor. <laughs> poor little Earl Stein. <laughs> poor little Bobby or whatever his name is. What did the what? teacher say? Bobby. She called him Bob. Bobby. Bobby. She called him Bobby. Bobby. Oh, but you know, I will say Robert. one last point. Serious point. Uh-huh. Not only did I find his books in the library, I found them on my own. I didn't get help from a librarian. But I have had experiences where librarians have turned me on to good things. Sure. So I thought that was interesting cool. too. Is that? I mean, that's what librarians should be doing. Yes, is helping. They say, "Oh, you're interested in this? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should check this out." Right. That's a good librarian. You think this is cool? Maybe you'll think this is cool. Right. And he credits her. Like that's that's one of the coolest parts. Right. I think is that he credits a librarian with some of his success. And you know, one of my earliest childhood friends became a librarian. It was his passion. My friend John became a librarian and he as far as I know is still doing that. He loves it. He loved books. I mean, it was something we really had in common. Right. You know? That's cool. <clears throat> Librarians cool. can be very inspirational to young people. Right. That's pretty neat. Or influential, you might say. Both. Yes. Well, that's a shocker on Shock Street. <laughs> All right, we're not. <laughs> Folks, if you enjoyed this episode, we hope you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also find us on YouTube. And we hope you enjoy this little uh, new format where we just kind of pick a subject and uh, go with it and see what comes i thought it was fun we hope that you will heart us or thumbs up us or interact with us wherever you are leave us a comment we've been enjoying those uh, we hope you might share us with a friend and as always 
We thank you for listening.